Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. As we present ourselves before your altar, Lord, and Lord, the only thing we have is what men in the world are saying, that this is the time for us to align ourselves with your kingdom. And we want to recognize you as the king and Lord over our life. And pray, oh God, that you have mercies on us. And pray that your loving kindness would keep us. And pray, Father God, that we might escape anything that is not what you have for those that are honoring and obeying and loving you, oh God. Father, we know that this is all a matter of the heart. So like David said when he repented, create within me a pure heart. Give me a right spirit. Let me receive as a good son the inheritance that you have promised. And Lord, there are established principalities and powers and governors of darkness and places of wickedness, but there's also thrones and principalities and authorities you have placed over men in the church, in the family, Father God, in, in, in civil society. And we want to honor those authorities and recognize them that they are for our good and that the power they have, Lord, is to bless us and prosper us or to have the consequences of being disobedient and rebellious. So we pray, Father God, that you forgive us and have mercy on us and that your loving kindness would come upon us like you said, that surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Our heart would be in this place. And so we pray, Father God, that you continue to wash us with the blood of Jesus, sanctify us through your word, cleanse us in your spirit, and allow us to present ourselves, body, soul, and spirit, before you in a manner which is pleasing, O God. Not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind, that we might know your thoughts, your words, and your actions. That we could divide, Father God, and rightly divide your word of truth. That there would be no offense in us. There would be no confusion. That we might serve you acceptably. And we know that this work is your work. You have started the good work in us, O God. We pray that you finish it before the day of your coming, O God. We pray that your mercies would be renewed towards us each morning. The families, Lord, that have one way or another been shipwrecked or tossed to and fro or driven out or hearing deceitful spirits, O God. We pray, Father God, that you would bring them back, O God, to an authentic, genuine relationship with you, that the sword would be delivered from their house, that the blood of Jesus would deliver, Father, get them from anything that would befall them that was not your purpose, O God, that they would prosper, that they would be fruitful, because this is for your glory, that you would be glorified in them, that they would know, Lord, that you are a refuge and a strong tower, and that to heed wisdom and, and understand your heart, O oh God, would be in their best interest, Lord. And just like you have allowed my friend to respond and come back to his senses and desire that which is good, we pray, Father God, that they too 
might be moved in their heart to move in the direction of your heart and so that they might escape, Lord, what is going to befall the earth next year, Lord. Father, we glorify your name and exalt you and we know that it's been your tender mercies that has saved us and delivered us and set us free that we might serve you with gladness, O God. Give us that right heart, O God, that right spirit, Lord. Let us be sensitive to your your presence. Give us the visions and dreams you have promised those in the last days that will be filled with your spirit. And Father God, you be exalted and glorified and magnified, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Amen. You can get back to your seats and just keep on pressing into that word the remainder of the weeks uh, of this year. And um, this is why we want to live a very sober and real life so that when we talk to people, they don't think we're joking. When we, when we try and sit down with somebody, they're able to receive. Um, and so that's always a blessing to be... Um, to be a reference in our generation. So let's, um, let's continue on tonight a little bit. We, we are going through the book of Acts here. Um, and let's just, just let's, uh, meditate. And we know there's a blessing for getting into this word. Father, we thank you for your goodness in this place. We give you thanks for your loving kindness and your mercy. Now, Father, these things are written for our example. That we might understand your heart and see your hand. It's the same hand, Father God. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we pray, Father God, that in these things, Lord, we might see that our worship today is also a reflection or the legacy of these men and women who lived long ago that began to gather as the church, Lord. And you would uh, give us a heart to understand what it is to be a part of this place, O God. Prosper your word in the hearts of your people and let it be seeds that are planted in good hearts, O God that you might be glorified and we might be fruitful and we might be faithful, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. The activities are underway in the book of Acts and the people have received what God has promised. And uh, I don't know if you were here a couple of weeks ago, but um, Pastor Jose Rivera was sharing. I asked him to share on chapter two of the book of Acts and he not only shared, but he brought down the power of God. He asked those of you that hadn't been filled with the Holy Spirit to come forward, and the Holy Spirit came and came upon people, and they began to also uh, pray in tongues, and they began to worship the Lord, just like it happened here in Acts chapter 2. And you see that this is a continuing reality for those that walk in the Lord. Don't receive, don't go out there and do the work of the Lord until you receive the Holy Spirit, which would come down and gave them the utterance of the supernatural language of tongues and they, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So now we find ourselves, what is this crowd of people where God is dispensing with the inventory of heaven? Because if there's a consequence in our life, and it happened in my life a lot, uh, the devil would always say, Joaquin, you're not going to get what God has for you. You're, you're, you don't qualify. You, you're not educated enough. You're not spiritual enough. You, you just, you're, not, you're not the person. But you know what? As I read who was there in verse 5, Acts chapter 2, verse 5, it says, There were living in Jerusalem, there were Jews that were devout men, say, from, say, from every nation under heaven. I, I want you to get out of, of American Christianity that only Republican conservatives are going to be saved. 
That's not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is every tribe, nation, and tongue. The weirder they are, God loves them. And, and if he's Habibi, he's coming. Okay? God wants to touch everybody, every color, every tongue, every ethnic group. In fact, yesterday, there's a lot of echo on this. Um, yesterday, we were driving our car for breakfast, and as I parked my car, some lady was taking a picture of the truck saving your marriage. And when we got off, we says, well, do you need a card? And she says, no, it's for some of my friends. And I said, well, we're really good on, on, on sharing reconciliation. And she says, you know something? What church do you go to? And she says like this, she says, um, I go to some church in Hialeah, but what is your church? And I said, we're Spring of Life, and we're on 87th Avenue on 20th Street, right across the street from Macaroni Grill. She says, Pastor, you're not going to believe this. And I go, yes, I'm a believer. I believe a lot of things. <laughs> and so she says, two years ago, I came to your church on a Friday night, and I was hysterically crying because the doctor said that I had uterus cancer. So I was looking for a church so I could go pray in the name of Joshua HaMashiach. She's Muslim. She's from Islam. And her, her holy books talk about Jesus. So she went looking for a Jesus church. And she says when she was passing 87th Avenue, the reflection of the blue lights, the neon lights outside, they showed like a dove. So she says, hallelujah. She runs to the door and she says, I need to come in. Guess what happened? And this is very, very powerful. Somebody told her, sorry, ma'am, the pastor only sees his own sheep. And she goes, but you can't tell me this because I need to speak to the man of God. And they told her, no, he, he's not going to see you. Now, I know it's not anybody that comes to our church because everybody that's in our church knows that I see everybody. Right? Amen? You know that. If somebody wants to see the pastor, they got to see the pastor. They're not going to be told, no, the pastor only has his sheep. And that's, um, I said, ma'am, see this truck here? It has my cell phone number on the side of it. Do you think I don't see other people? I'm seeing everybody. So you know what she did? She drove to Hialeah, and she found a little church, and there's a little old man outside, and she started going to that church for the last two years. And the Lord healed her of cancer. And now she's totally sold out for Jesus Christ. Her name is Maya. She is a, an aeronautical engineer for Copa Airlines. She's a brilliant woman. She speaks Spanish. She speaks Arabic. She speaks English. And she got totally saved. And she says, you know why I got saved? Because Jesus he healed me. And they disinherited her. Her family, who that's very wealthy, told her, you can't, we're not, not, not going to acknowledge you as a daughter, as a sister no more. And she goes, I don't care because Jesus healed me. Amen. Jesus healed me. And so she's on her way to Chicago in that, that, that afternoon that we were talking, and, and, I, and she was, wanted to know more about Spring of Life and about this church she came to that the pastor couldn't see. And she goes, I have to take a flight now and go to Chicago, but I'm willing to lose my flight if I could sit down with you and understand a little bit more because I'm new at Christianity. So I want to open your heart too that not only is God looking for you, and wanting to give you the inventory of heaven, but to every nation, tribe, and tongue. And so once you're a recipient of the gospel, God is ready also to make you a messenger of this gospel. And you got to be prepared to go to every nation under heaven. How many like that? Amen. Okay, so we're never again going to say, we, you're not our kind. Or you're Jehovah Witness, we, we don't talk to Jehovah Witnesses. No, no, no. All men need to find Jesus Christ.
They need to be saved. Now, we're not going to be indoctrinated by a false religion, so we're not, we're not importing. We are giving them what we have. And we don't have to force them, but at least we know that they are one of the ones that God wants to save every nation under heaven. And when this sound, uh, when they saw what was occurring, and this is what the people from other places, when they see what's occurring in our lives, the multitude comes together. And that's a good thing, because when there is something good going on, people run to it. We want people to run here, not run away from here. People will come here, and when they come here, they will be, it says the multitude, verse 6, when this sound occurred, the multitude came. It was loud. Some people want the worship experience to be not loud. I like it to be loud. I like it to be so loud that it really gets inside the head of people that don't understand. Let it be loud. Let them, uh, I remember the little old lady that was in our church where the first day I came in, she was screaming somewhere like, hallelujah. I was like, what's wrong with her? She's a single mother who is praising her God for his faithfulness. And so I said, Gladys, scream. And I wish the men were screaming. Right, Sean? Scream. Sean, hallelujah. There you go. There you go. See? That God would be doing something in our life that would motivate our inspiration to let it out of our gut. Because some people are like, oh, Pastor, I'm just very, it's in there. It's down there. No, listen, bring it out. Bring it out and let somebody hear it. Let somebody feel it. And then, so they were being loud and the multitude came together. And this says, some were confused because everyone heard them speaking in their own language. There was a transference and they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, look, are not all these people who speak Galileans? They're from a certain region, but they communicate in a language that we understand. We need to do that. Because it makes no sense to reach out to the lost people in a language they don't understand. And so that's why he gave us this power of the Spirit of God. And the power of the Spirit of God is the power of, say with me, love. Love. Love, love is the language everybody understands, even though you're not communicating in their language. Acts, random acts of kindness. That you would go out of your way and spend time with people sharing your life. That blows anybody away. And they will ask one question, why do you care? Nobody cares about me. Why are, you, why, why are you sharing your time with me? Why are you trying to reach out to me? So the Bible says that these Galileans were reaching out to everybody in their language and how it is that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born. And so it starts listing the people that were there, Parthians and the Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, the uh, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, the Orientals, Figra, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Africa, Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, from Europe, both Jews and those that were converting, proselytes, Cretans, the Greeks, and the Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongue the wonderful works of God. That's, that needs to be our message. Some of us have become so darkened in our nature that all we do is describe hell for people. You're going to hell. The demon's going, arr, arr. And so these people are like, I'm getting out of this place. I don't see anything wonderful. I don't see anything that I want to be a part of. They were speaking the wonderful works of God. Tell God to make you creative. And sometimes we get too boring uh, we were having 
uh, lunch yesterday, and, and I grabbed my, my church card, and I gave it to the waiter. I said, listen, over here, we give out gold and silver. So like, the guy grabs it, and he's like walking away. Be creative in the manner by which you win souls. Don't, it's not the same old, you know, boring dilemma. Ask God for creativity. Ask God for events and situations where we can reach out to others to speak on the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed. Say with me, all. And they were perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? There's nothing better for people to come into the gospel than curiosity. The first time your sons tried drugs is because they were going to try it out. Get people curious about the gospel and coming to church and experiencing this. Get them to understand that this thing is something that they could figure out. Whatever could this mean? Now, there's all sorts of believers present receiving the Holy Spirit, passing out the message. There's unbelievers, those that didn't know about what was going on. But verse 13, and there we go again with the year 2013. The year of the repercussions upon mockers. There are believers that love God and want God and walk with God. There are unbelievers that have not seen God, don't know God, and can't figure God out. But there are mockers. And mockers are the three, are the third group of people that there's going to be serious repercussions against them. There's serious um, consequences of those that walk in mockery. And you don't want to be in that category. You want to be in the category of those men that are believing God and trying to figure out God for more. But you don't want to sit there and find God and point at him and say, look, these guys are a bunch of clowns. These guys are really, they, they don't have a clue. And that's why they start offending the Holy Spirit. It's the only unpardonable sin. When you stand before a move of God and, and judge it as something other than a move of God, you are standing as a mocker. And so they were saying, these guys are full of baloney. These guys, nothing they say has substance to what they're doing. They must be drunk. They must be out of their wit. The word is hallucinating. They're seeing things that are not real. We need to ask God to open the eyes of our spirit so that we might judge matters as from coming from God or not coming from God. To not judge a matter coming from God like the sons of Lot that they were in advance told about a coming judgment and they mocked. They made fun of a serious message. I could only equate to that huge steamroller, right? And it's not a steamroller, it's not a steamroller, and it's not a steamroller, and you just get plummeted by the consequences of your mockery. And so that's what happened to them. They weren't able to discern the reality of God's uh, um, coming judgment. The Bible says that it's notorious in our time. In first, uh, actually, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3, he says, My brethren, don't, don't uh, be let down by the fact, knowing this, during this time where God is going to move authentically and genuinely, there's going to be scoffers. They will come in the last days walking according to their own lust. They're not walking in love. 
They're not walking in obedience. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. They're not walking in service. They serve nobody but themselves. The Bible says they will walk according to their own lust. And they will come mocking. And they will make fun of what God has said. He is, he is being patient. Verse 4, it says, saying, where is the promises of his coming? I mean, you guys are saying that God is here and he's doing things upon the earth. We don't see it because they've been saying that since a long time. We have fallen out of belief into unbelief and farther from unbelief into mockery. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue the same from the beginning of creation. Verse 5, and it says, For they willfully, they walk in a strong will. Instead of walking in the will of God, they're walking in their own will. They willfully forget that it's by the word of God that the heavens were created of old, and the earth standing out of the water was destroyed by water. Verse 6. By which the world then existed, perished, being uh, flooded with water. That was a judgment at that time. Who's the one that suffered the flood? You guys tell me. The mockers. The ones that were making fun of Noah. I mean, are you crazy? God's not going to crash us with... You crazy? That's not going to happen. You crazy? We don't take that for real. Verse 7, he says, But the heavens and the earth which are now preserved by the same word of God's promise are being reserved until the day of judgment, the day of the perdition of ungodly men. Uh, Verse 8, and it says, But beloved, you do not forget that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. Live today like what you're going to live when that thing comes. Don't postpone that. I'll get serious with God later. Get as serious with God as you can right now. Get around serious people. Talk the things that make for salvation and deliverance. I don't want to be surround myself with not one person that is not, not, not perfect, but authentic, real. Wanting to, to find out what God wants. So in verse 9, it says, it says, But the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some are considering that he's being slack. He's, he's, giving, you know, he's giving some rope. He's not, his long suffering towards us, he's not willing that anybody should perish. He's, he's really desiring that these people would repent, that they would turn around and walk differently. But for some people, uh, grace is not a motive for repentance. Until the, the hit comes, they don't turn. Until the consequences come. Verse 10, he says, um, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass uh, with a great noise and the elements with melt and the fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will burn up. Verse 11. Therefore, since all these things are going to be dissolved, since this is all true and it's coming our way, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Taking God serious. Walking in in serious um, um, participation with these things. Verse 12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will dissolve, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, are looking for new heavens, new earth, and where righteousness dwells. Matthew chapter 24, verse 39, the Bible says those days, uh, in the days of Noah, so it will be in the last days. When the coming of the Son of Man uh, comes, for the days before the flood, they were having a great time. Hey, come to my house and eat. Hey, let's get together and have some drinks. Hey, why don't we just get married all over again? And the Bible says that it was that day, we're reading Matthew 24, verse 37, and it says, like in the days of Noah, verse 37, 
so will these last days of the coming of the Son of Man be. I mean, guys, this is powerful because it already happened once. That's, that was a reality. It's going to happen again. And the same manner of mockers, verse 38, it says, uh, for in the days before the flood, they were having a banquet, a feasting. Imagine, in the matter of the, uh, Noah was pronouncing, he was a preacher of righteousness, asking people to take God serious to help them build the ark. They were marrying, giving into marriage until that day that Noah entered the ark, verse 39. And they did not know how, listen to me, how crazy that some people are going to wait till it happens to then find out that it's happening. They did not know until the flood came, until the time of judgment, and they were all lost. So also will be the Son of Man, uh, the coming of the Son of Man be. And so Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10, we see that. We were hearing Rabbi Zacharias this week, and he says, uh, everyone that is building towards the kingdom of God will always be surrounded by people that will say, uh, you are... Um, not right in doing what you're doing. When Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite and the official heard that Nehemiah was taking God serious, that he was in the work of God, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of Israel, the children of God. Some people are upset that I would be wanting to encourage you to take God serious. How dare he? And verse 19, uh, the, he he. Uh, he, he called some more people over when Sambalat the Haranite, Tobiah the Ammonite, and Jeshem the Arab heard of these things. They laughed at us. Another word for mockery. They were laughing at people. To, I can't believe you're going to church. Hey, brother, why couldn't you believe when I was going to get drunk with you? Why couldn't you believe when I, we were partying? You could believe that, right? I was serving the devil. Now I'm serving God. Now I'm getting serious with God. I've served the devil long enough. So they laughed at us and despised us, saying, what is this thing you're doing? You're going against the flow. You're going against the tide. Everybody else is doing something else. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 7. Again, they, two chapters down the road, they continue to put on their rage. Now it happened when Sambalite, the Tobiah, uh, Tobiah and the Arabs, the Ammonites and the Ashadites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to close. They were being left out. They became not just a little upset, they became very angry. So don't, uh, don't see it as such a despisement when, when people around you are being affected. I want to tell you that uh, it was the mystery of Billy Graham, the greatest evangelist of our modern age. And he says, it always surprised me how the, the, the message of the word of God would melt hearts and would harden hearts. It would melt hearts like clay and harden hearts. I mean, melt hearts like butter and harden hearts like clay. How, how, that's a mystery. How could the same message, somebody receive it and move closer to God and take God more serious and somebody who's receiving the same message is hardening their heart and getting more upset and not saying, I don't want to be a part of that. I've had some people say, Joaquin, you're saying that I'm going to hell and I, I resent that. I don't want to get saved because you're trying to scare the hell out of me. And I say, well, you know something? Um, I don't know how else to get you encouraged to getting closer to God than to tell you the reality of what will occur if you don't. I don't know how to, to, to get you um, 
motivated. I know that it worked for me. I don't want to go to hell. And so there it is that these are the things that are taking place on that day. And going back to Acts chapter 2, and um, we're reading verse 13, that others were mocking, saying they are full of new wine. These guys are drunk. These guys are out of the picture. They're out of the tide. They're out of the day. They're out of the culture. But, say with me, but, verse 14, God will always have a witness. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and said, Men of Judea, all who dwell, let this be known to you and heed my words. Isn't God being faithful tonight? I mean, we're ready to go. We're ready to get serious with the Lord. We want to be doing what he wants us to be doing when he returns. So Peter stands up and starts getting everybody's attention and starts preaching a very powerful message telling them that they need to turn. They need to turn in the direction of God's heart. And you could read that, uh, that passage very powerfully. The consequences of that passage are verse 37. It says, when they heard this, they were really cut to the heart. People that keep away the word of God from coming in and being a conviction in their heart will never turn. They stay away from people that have a word from God because they don't want their heart to be touched. But when they heard this, and there are many things that keep us from hearing God. I, I, I want to tell you that the biggest curse any man or woman has is the inability to hear the words of a man of God. When I was very young and a man of God would come to my life and they would say, listen to me, this is what I'm feeling from the Lord. Man, that, that got my attention. This is a man of God and he's speaking in my life. And so the God in his faithfulness does that. And um, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the apostles, this was, this was a positive, it wasn't the mockers. This was the people that didn't know when they heard the message, they said, men, brethren, what shall we do? What would you want us to do? They received the word, and their heart was ready to respond. And whenever you're not responding to the word of God, that becomes an issue. What should we do? How is it that we should walk? How should we live? How, how should we conduct ourselves? And Peter was quick. Peter didn't beat around the bush and says, well, you guys are ready. He, he said the words. This is the word he says, verse 38. He says, repent. Turn. Quit walking in the same direction. Quit doing the same things. Quit, 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 quit going in the same direction. Uh, repent means turn around. Every one of you. And this thing about being baptized is some of you are not baptized. I don't understand that concept. The Bible says believe and be baptized. Why are you guys taking years and months to not get baptized? I will baptize you this weekend. I know Alex was wanting to get baptized. He's like, Pastor, you better baptize me. I want to get baptized. And I've been out of town, but we're going to baptize him. And you join him. Join him in believing God and being baptized, obeying God, and um, your sins will be wiped away. God will clean the slate, and you'll receive all the promises of God. And a preacher just once told me, if you don't obey God in the first commandment to get baptized, why would God do anything else for you? You haven't even done the first thing that he wants you to believe. You already believe. The first step is baptize. And if you don't do just the first step, you're not going to do the tenth step. The 11th step, you're not going to go with him into the, the, the real powerful things he has for you. So do the first things, and then you will begin to receive. Say with me, receive. We talked about this on Sunday. Who is the ones that receive sons? 
Sons receive. They have a willing to receive correction. They receive instruction. They receive inheritance. They receive the gift of God. They receive, they, they're receptive to the Father. And the Father only has good and perfect gifts for them. And, and so if we don't understand, he says, you being good, uh, bad fathers give good gifts. How much more our heavenly Father? Because a father is a giver of good gifts even when he's evil. Even when he's mistaken, he's, he's reaching out for your own good and passing you on something that will uh, enrich your life. So he says, receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Verse 39, he says, for this is the promise to you and to your children. If you don't receive the legacy of God, are you going to give it? No, you have nothing to give. Your children will be uh, destroyed because of your attitude. And to all to your children and to all far off as the Lord will call. And so we see this powerful uh, message. We see repentance. We see obedience. We see reception. We see the promise of his word. All these things. Now I want to tell you that I'm still looking for great and precious promises. I'm still looking for the favor of God in this season of my life. And I want to see his glory. I've already, I told somebody, I had somebody hand me off the gift of salvation. But the Bible says, and I was telling the men last night, add to your faith virtue. A lot of us are very, we, ha, we believe in God and nobody believes in God more than us. But our virtue stinks. We have no measure of excellence in our service to God. And so it says there in 2 Peter um, let's go read that real quick. So I want to encourage you that faith is not the end of the road. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5, it says, Giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. What is virtue? Excellence. Take the way you believe in God to a measure that freaks people out. Amen. I don't know if you do anything in your life with excellence. Anybody? Anybody do levels of X, you excel, you exceed. You go beyond the call in an area of your life. He says, grab your faith and then take your life in Christ to levels that are not common in order. Everybody, I had a friend of mine, the, the actual friend I talked to, he came to me 10 years ago and he says, I'm getting a divorce. And I said, listen, you're going to go to hell if you, because he's a man of God, he believes in God, he's a faithful, this, and he's going to leave his wife and his daughters. He's already a Christian, and he's going he's gonna to sit there and go cheat on his wife. And I told him, listen, you're going to have serious consequences for what you're doing. You know what he told me? He says, everybody does it, even pastors. So some of us, our measure for doing things is looking around to see what other people are doing. My friend, I want you to be filled with the spirit of excellence. I want you to take your Christianity where nobody is doing what you do so that you could be a light in the midst of darkness. So, and somebody said to Gary the other day, well, you only think I'm not a Christian because you're hanging out with Joaquin. But if you hang out, if you didn't know Joaquin and I told you I was a Christian, you would believe me. That, that's mediocre. You mean just saying you're a Christian is enough to prove you're a Christian? Even though you smoke and you drink and you rebel and you're disobedient, you don't go to church, you don't have a pastor, it, that makes you a Christian? Oh, I didn't know that. I thought you had to take up the cross and follow him. And deny yourself and be a disciple or you're not worthy of the kingdom. I thought that that was it. So let us take our life in service to our king to levels like other people serve ordinary things. 
They, they serve their business. They serve their community. Um, whatever you, serve God with that measure of excellence. Become uh, not only a private, become a sergeant, or become a lieutenant. Rise up in the ranks of the faithfulness of God. Add to your faith virtue, and that's, that's enough there. Uh, we just want you to know that God does not want you to be sluggish. Hebrews 6, 12. Do not be spiritual lethargic. Where are you going? I think I'm going to church. And you, you're just, you're a, you don't motivate me to serve God. I mean, I wouldn't go to a church you go to. You're not excited about your church. You're not motivated. You talk about everything but your church. And so do not become sluggish. I don't know how to, I, I'm sure that that's, there's some industries that, that you don't change your oil for a while and your engine gets all sluggish and it's about to just like give up. You better get a change of oil. You better get a tune-up. You better ask God for an overhaul. Don't get sluggish in your faith, but imitate. And I, I told somebody, I, I told somebody this weekend, I said, listen, brother, if you're down in what you're doing, imitate me. Amen. If you imitate me, then you start getting in the, in the groove, and, and I'll, pretty soon you'll be doing some uh, Power 90X, whatever, spiritually. You're going to lose some of that sluggishness. You're going to get in shape, and you're going to be a world changer. People will know you as a world changer. Not know me. People will know you as a world changer. You're not coming close to the fire. You're in the fire. Amen. You don't go to spring of life. You are spring of life. Amen. So people know. People, people see you and they know if you're in it or you're just a spectator. They know if you talk about it or if you play. How many know? Amen. So he says, do not be sluggish, but imitate. That's the first. If, in any sport, my kids, when they play basketball, in anything, a doctor, a teacher, you imitate until you do. But we have a whole generation of people who says, I'm not going to be like him because then people are going to say, listen, imitate. Imitate. Walk in that same fold. And, and Paul used to say, imitate me like I imitate Christ. That's that first step. Think like a world changer. Talk like a world changer. And do what a world changer does. If not, you're not a world changer. If not, you're sluggish. If not, people are like, you know something? You don't inspire me to anything that you're doing with regards to Christianity. But through faith, those that hang on and are patient to promises, the only thing, trust me, the only thing that has me here is not the, motivate, the external motivators I get from people. I'm not like, a, okay, my church is not motivating me, so I think it's time to go back to the practice. No, listen to me. My motivation is the promises of God. Amen. I'm waiting on His goodness. I'm waiting, and I know it's coming because it's already, some of it has already arrived, and I'm enjoying it. So we imitate those that have the ability to, to um, give an, an example, and, and, and we'll be patient to inherit the promises of God like, like Abraham was. We go to verse uh, 9 of Hebrews 6, and it says, my brethren, make sure that you know, verse 9, that you are confident of better things concerning you. How many, how many are confident that God has great plans for you in the head? Amen. And he says, he says um, these things that accompany salvation. When I, when I sit there and preach somebody to get saved and not go to hell and Jesus died, that's not the only thing I talk to them. I tell them God wants to make you a prince. Amen. 
God wants to entrust you an inheritance. God wants to give you favor, dress you with robes of righteousness. God wants to put a scepter in your hand. God wants to make you a leader. The word leader means, it comes from a word that means finding the path. Don't tell me you're a leader if you can't find your way. Don't tell me you're a leader if you can't follow a leader. Because that's what a leader's doing. He's going forward and finding the way. He's finding answers. And I was telling the men last night that there should be the leaders of their homes. And a lot of them are following their sons. They don't have a path. So they're like, hey, where are you going? I'll go with you. No, no, no. A man in a home is finding the path. And he's finding the, the, the answer. He's finding the remedy. That's what, what God gave us. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. He says, when everything was disrupt." When everything was upside down, Ezekiel 22, verse 30, God says, I looked for a man. He's not going to be wanting you to hold somebody responsible. Uh, Ezekiel 22, 30, it's coming. Um, I sought for a man among them who would make a wall, that would, would make some decisions and stand in the gap, be responsible on behalf of the land so that destruction would not come upon it, but I didn't find a man. I was looking for a man. And God, God in this season has lifted up Peter, and he is putting it all the line, and they're telling him, what must we do? And so finally, in verse 40, Acts chapter 2, verse 40, and we finish now the chapter, and we praise God for it, with many other words. They don't run out. It's just a flowing spring. They used to say that the men that were the men of God that were, were pouring out the provisions of God was like drinking water out of a fire hydrant. Have you ever tried that? And, and that you're getting the flow of provision from men, not only for your pastor. I hope you got a fire hydrant filled stomach tonight, but, but from your husband, from your father from the men that are part of the congregation, that they would know the words to speak. And what are those words? Testifying and exhorting. Be saved from this perverted generation. How many are willing to do that? To tell you, These people out there are sick. They're sickly people in this generation who don't seek God, who don't want to hear from the man of God, who don't want to walk in obedience, humility, service, and faithfulness. It's a perverted, twisted generation. And he exhorted with many words and many um, testified and, and called their attention, be saved from this generation. Verse 41, then those who gladly, who were the ones that benefited from the words that drew a line? There's perversion, there's godly. It's, he says, those who gladly received his words. The, the ones that got bothered, and, and I'm going to tell you, I got a phone call yesterday from uh, Pastor Desmond in Switzerland, and he says, Joaquin, everybody's super upset at you. The men are upset at you, and the women are upset at you. And I said, good, good, because now they're going to come out of that comfortable Christianity. They're going to come out of that backseat, convenient, I'm okay with God, even though they're not. And so I told the Lord, I don't want to go to Switzerland to waste my time. I don't want to go over there to fool around. I want to be the voice of God that will awaken a generation to serve God with power and might, to lift up world changers. And so he says, those, and it's only those, trust me, it's only those who gladly receive Peter's word were the ones that walked in obedience. 
The ones that got bought, and they said, how dare him come to Switzerland and offend us women? How dare him come and talk to the men so strong? He's a 50-year-old man. I thought I was going to get beat up. I said, sir, you are wrong. You are wrong. And, and so here Peter says, those that received his word with gladness were baptized. And that day, 3,000 souls were added to the church. And so you see God adding to the church those who would be saved. And, and it's a powerful, powerful thing that people would receive. It says um, in verse 42, those that got baptized were those that continued. Say with me the word continued. Steadfastly. That means permanently. That means unmovable, unstoppable, unshakable, untouchable. That's a world changer. You're not going to let anything phase you from obeying God and sticking through thick and thin with the purpose of God. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. These are the things that, that allowed them to, to continue living the Christian life and held them strong. And in verse 43 it says, Then the fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed, verse 44, were together and had all things in common. They shared, they, they, they were looking after each one another's needs. They divided amongst themselves. They were, um, as, as according to what everybody needed, and we see this happening, and I thank God for the Christmas gala, many people says, listen, I'm going to invite three people. I'm going to invite four people. I'm going to invite you. And you see the Spirit of God here. Not only are the non-stingy ones not coming, but the ones that are coming want their brother and sister to be there. And they're paying the price for them to attend. And so that's the spirit of the Lord. It continues on to say that they, um, uh, verse 46, they continued with one accord in the temple. Say with me, in the temple. And then say, and breaking bread from house to house. Years ago, there were some pastors raising up saying, let's close down the temples and let's go worship at the houses. That's the real church. My Bible says in the temple and in the houses, both things. We got Clarita's house. We got my house is open on Wednesday mornings. We have the men's group. We have Lorna and Louis' house open. We got Omar and Leanne's house are open. And we are meeting in the houses, but we also meet in the temple. And it says they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were sharing things like family, praising God, verse 47, having favor with all people. Wherever they go, we got the smile of God, the spirit of God, and the Lord added to the church each day, those who would be saved. I want to encourage you that you're in a Bible-believing, Spirit-filled, Christ is the Lord and head over this house, church. Now, that's an honor and a privilege. Let's stand up and give glory to God in the highest and, and meditate on these words that we've shared tonight so that you can get in the place you need to be to become the man of God God wants you to be, your family, the promises, the inheritance. Your sons shall be princes uh, upon the earth, and your daughters will be princesses. They will be w women of dignity and virtue, and the Spirit of God will be upon them. They will love church. They will love men of God. They will love the Word of God. They will love the Spirit of God. They will seriously respond to the goodness of God in their life. And the Bible says the goodness of God leads to repentance. Oh, God's being good to you, man. The, the only thing there is to do is to turn. So, Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness in this place. And our hearts are torn towards you. And our hearts are torn towards your spirit that cries, Abba, Father. 
And you have placed us, O God, in your family, in the household of God, that we might conduct ourselves in a manner which is worthy of our selection and our calling, knowing that the calling of God and the gifts of God are irrevocable. God continues to call all men to repent, all men to turn, all men to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to be able to be blessed in the house of the Lord as they stand by night in the house of the Lord saying, God, you are merciful, you are a good God. We worship you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Hallelujah. You guys go ahead and sing. Bring a song for us. You see my iPad? Alright, Mr. Eric, I bless you. Awesome. Okay, yeah. Very important. Very important. I think I have an extra one there. Uh, yeah, so then we can get you back there. We trust in faith. Give you all of our days. We offer our hearts and lives to you for your plans and prayers. Father of the dust of 